0: First John, chapter 2. We will continue to preach through First John uh, as a pastoral team. It's the passage that we have looked at together and are looking at together. Uh, I have a slide presentation that David will pull up and will use this morning. But uh, while that's happening, uh, and the the title, if I give it a title this morning, is By This We Know. Now, knowing something means much more. True knowing something means much more than mental assent. Mental assent is important. Yes, I know this. But sometimes you say you know something and you don't know it. At least you don't know it deep inside. Next, uh, David. uh, So this is the passage that we want to look at this morning. And uh, let's just follow along as I read it to you. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the perpetuation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Now you know where I got the title. By this we know, and by this we may know. Twice it's repeated in this passage. I want us to think back a Imagine yourself maybe a little bit. This is late in the life of an old man. He's probably uh, in his eighties or nineties by now. And he has spent his, the bulk of his adult life following Jesus. But he's old and he has seen some mighty things. In fact, He walked with Jesus personally. He, he touched Jesus at the Last Supper. He was the one who sat next to Jesus. And it says he put his, he, he, they, they, they hugged. He was very close to the physical presence of Jesus. Now he's also been on an island, exiled to an island for his faith. The Isle of Patmos. And there he saw into the future in a way that no man ever had before. And he heard the voice of the angel saying, Write this down. So this man has experienced an entire lifetime and into the future of Jesus. Jesus so radically changed his life. He was a fisherman. He was a loud, obnoxious fisherman. His dad, uh, he and his brother were called the sons of thunder. And it wasn't because... They always made good utterances. They were loud and obnoxious guys. And Jesus comes along and gentles and cares for this loud, obnoxious fisherman and changes him. His name is John. He, at, at the time he writes First John, he's probably the last of the apostles still living. So all the others have died, most of them, if not all of them, by martyrdom. Now, it's in its second generation of leadership and they've seen some questions rise up about Jesus. Particularly from a group of people that they would later call docetists. And these docetists would say, well, Jesus was not really human. It was an illusion. They used a Greek word that we use for illusion today. It was magical. He was all God and no man. And and John took these people back to a long time ago when he had written his first letter. When he said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. How real is your flesh? Pinch yourself. That's your flesh. Your body. It hurts. It aches. Jesus had a physicalness to him. Now, why is this important for us to grasp? Because we face the same issues today. There's entire groups of people who say Jesus is about the spiritual. Jesus Jesus was, yeah, he was a good man and good teachings. But unless we believe that Jesus came to earth, and this is really important because of the first two verses. Now, Chris covered this, and I don't want to just, uh, but it, it needs its work. Uh, it needs to be kept with this. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, or if anyone sins, it says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So why is it important that Jesus came to earth in a fleshly body, lived here, suffered and died for us? It's because he was sinless in the time that he lived here. And it took a sinless offering to cleanse us from our sins. Jesus did not die for his own sins. Because he hadn't sinned. He died for our sins. So that's why Jesus coming in flesh is important. You could not be delivered from your sin. Both your, your acts and deeds and your sinful nature if Jesus had not been alive and real and walking on earth. You could not be delivered. Do you want to be delivered from your sin? Then you have to believe in a Jesus that was on earth, that lived in a world, in our world, that had flesh, but did not sin. So, go right into the passage here. And by this we know that we have come to know him. So, did you notice all the no's in this passage? And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Once again, the, the word became flesh. We have to have a fleshly Jesus a human Jesus, if we want to walk in the way he walked. So, how do we know him? Now, let's go to the next slide, David. Let's think a little bit about this. Um, so, And by this we know, okay? So I, I just did a little word work with this in, in looking up the Greek words. By the way, in case you you, I need to remind you, the Bible was not written in English or German. Uh, God didn't say, Adam, or Adam, where are you? He said it in a, in a, actually, before the Tower of Babel, I believe that language was its most beautiful. So it could have been a mixture of all of the languages of the world. But after the Tower of Babel, but the Bible, this portion of the Bible is written in Greek. And so there is always a translation issue because translators have to choose. Doesn't mean that our Bible isn't trustworthy. When we read multiple versions of the Bible and we study the Bible, we find that it is trustworthy for Today. And by this we know. Now, this word know, and by this we know that we have come to know that that word, the first know means realized and and the way it's said. And by this we realize and keep realizing that we know by personal experience and it has its results if we keep his commandments. That would be, it's hard to read like that, but that would be a literal translation. So in essence, what John is telling them is, is that As you have come to know Him, as you have come to know Him, we begin to under, we begin to know, realize, and keep realizing that we need to follow His commandments. The the, the two are linked. I had a discussion yesterday with somebody who asked, uh, how do you separate faith and works? What if you can't? What if you can't? Faith without works is dead. So is it really faith if there's no works? No! So you can't separate them. Don't try to. I've heard all kinds of descriptions. It's a one side of a coin. And, you know, faith and one. No, no, it isn't. And again, works has been twisted in our world because people have tried to impose what their idea of works is on you. But actually, at its core... Works or following Jesus is to follow His commands. We'll look at that. But I want you to understand that, that He's very careful to say here that, and, and to point out to us that we can know what it means to know Him. Whoever says, now, now, let's follow through. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar. Now that's a mouthful. When you call somebody a liar, that is a real mouthful. In fact, um, if I did that at home um, when I was a little boy, I probably um, got punished. Because you're calling into question the core of a person when you call them a liar. But John is able to say that if you say that you know Jesus, but you don't keep his commandments, your life is a fraud your life is a fraud. We'll look at what the commandments are, but your life is a fraud. The truth is not in him. But whoever, Once again, but whoever keeps his word, keep his commandments, keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. We'll come back to that phrase. David, uh, let's go to the next slide. Um, there, there's one other place where this word, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments... There's one other place where that's used in this format, and it's in John five thirty nine when Jesus tells the Pharisees, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, who are the imminent religious people of the day, you think that you have the life of God inside you. You think that you have eternity. And it, by the way, when the Bible uses eternal life, don't make the mistake of thinking about it as quantity, how long it'll last. Think about it as quality, a kind of life. So Jesus is saying, you search the scriptures because, that in, because you think that in them you can actually find a way to a better quality of life. And he says, you can't, because what they do is bear witness about me, the person Jesus. But then he says, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you, I know him. It's the same Greek construction. So he's saying that if you if you say that any other way except through knowing Jesus and keeping his commandments, if you say that you can find eternal life in anything else other than that, your life is a fraud. Okay, next slide, David. And then did you also notice um, that all the if and then um, conditions in here uh, I mean, I, I just counted uh, this morning, um, and there are twenty. If you do this, then this will happen in First John. John writes this way, and much more than any other writer. And uh, so, if and then statements are something like this: If you take this medicine, it should re- then it should relieve your symptoms. If you do this, then this will happen. If you service your car regularly then it will last much longer. Unless it's my car, in which case it won't. But anyway, uh, th- th- there's 20 such statements in First John where John says, if you do this, then this will happen. And these are promises that that God is making. Let's go to the next slide. And I, I've got... Um, but, but the primary one we're looking at here is if you do this then the love of God will be perfected in you. Now, what are we called to keep? First of all, we're called to keep His commandments. What does that mean? You've heard this all your life. Does it mean the Ten Commandments? What does it mean? What are God's commandments? What is God's Word? We're called to keep His words. And then we're called to walk in the same way that He walked. Let's put this all together and say, what does that really mean? So it and, and it, once again, we come back. If you do not believe that Jesus was on Earth and walked on Earth and interacted with people in fleshly form and what yet was without sin, then that you cannot keep His commandments, because it needs you need that. So when Jesus is faced with this question, He tells a rich young man who comes to Him, which might have been the Apostle Paul, could have been the Apostle Paul, comes to Him and says, "What must I do to have in, eternal life?" And he says, keep the commandments. And he says, I've kept them all my life. He says, then you go give all your stuff away and come and follow me. Another time Jesus is faced with this commandment. And he says, all the commandments can be summed up in this way. Love God and love your neighbor. So put those two together. Jesus, two statements on this. Love God and love your neighbor and be willing to give up everything that inhibits you from following him and follow Jesus. The early Anabaptists had a term for this. They called it nochfolge. You Germans here, what does uh, noch mean? Ich komm noch am Mittag. Noch? After. Folge? Follow. So I, after Jesus follow. And, and to them, and I agree with this, that, that epitomizes what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We follow Him. And so we have to think about how did Jesus, how did Jesus interact? Next slide, David. And so here is then the if and then statement. I'm conscious of the time. If we follow after Jesus, if we are those who keep His commandments, if we love God, love our fellow man, and we are willing to forsake everything else and follow Jesus, then the love of God is perfected in us. Do you want to be more loving? Do you want to be more kind? Do you want to have the love of God come out of you? Follow his commandments. Now, once again, let me just make this clear. In the past, maybe some of us have have heard follow the commandments as ways to keep you confined in systems. That's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, the true and greatest commandment is this. To love God. By the way, in in the Greek construction it says, the second is equal to this, to love your neighbor as yourself. So what does it mean to love God? You tell me, what does it mean to love God? Do you love God? Do, Do you love your wife? No, don't answer that. Do you love your children? What would you do for your children? Think about it. Try to put it into terms that you can kind of grapple with, and then say, "What does it mean for me to love God today in this world?" So, if we keep the commandments and His Word and walk with Him, then the love of God is perfected in us. Um, this word uh, "perfected" means doesn't mean perfect. It means it is being, it is growing in you. Growing would be a good word. Uh, next slide, David. So what are the direct applications from this passage for this week for you and for me? Next slide. it keep his commandments? What does that mean? First of all, it means that you love God. How do you express your love for God? I don't know. I, it, you know, some of these things are so big... And so vast that it will take our lifetime to discover. But that is the beauty of it. It takes a lifetime to discover. We can grasp. We can wrestle with it. We can say, I'm growing. I look back at some of my notes when I began preaching 25 years ago, 26 years ago, and I think, was I even a Christian when I preached that? Okay. It seems so shallow, but you know what? I'm growing. The, the measure of somebody who is growing is that they're growing. There's no other measure. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes loving your neighbor as yourself is harder to do than loving God. Right now I'm having a little struggle with my neighbor and I've talked about this. I don't like him. I love him, but I don't like him. And I'm going to like him. Anyway, so keep his commandments, the second one. Go ahead, David. Keep his word. So the basic truths that we know about the scriptures and Jesus, do you you follow those? The basic truths that you know about Jesus, about what Jesus said, do you follow them? See, the measure of works is that it actually, the measure of faith is that it changes us and we begin to work differently. But do you follow the basic commands of scriptures that you know, that all of us know, do you follow them? I can't answer that for you. I have to only answer for myself. And then the third one. So keep his commandments, keep his word, and then walk in the way he walked. Follow Jesus and imitate his way of interacting and engaging the world around you. So this week, as you face the week, think about this. Tomorrow morning, when you get together with you, you go to work, will you interact with people in the way that Jesus might have interacted with them the first thing in the morning? Do you interact with people uh, when they do something wrong? When they make a mistake or they hurt you? How do you interact with them? Go back to the model of Jesus and say, I want to become more like Jesus and therefore I need to interact in the same way. And when we do that, the love of God is is growing in our world. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, as we we think about this passage and as we think about this week, the things that we might face, the things we might face today, the things that we will face throughout the week, the things that we faced last week, Lord, it strikes me just in praying here that fear and shame keep us bound. They keep us bound. And you died To deliver us from shame and fear. And and you are our perpetuation for the sins that we have committed. And you free us from the power of those sins. From the fear and shame of those sins to live differently in our world. I pray, Jesus, that we would interact in ways that reflect you in this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.